Welcome, everyone, to the first ever episode of Chatisfaction. I am Keith. And I am Sam. And we are best friends, been best friends for a long time, and we've been talking about doing a podcast for a while, and now we're doing it. We're doing it for real. It's real. It's finally happening. Yeah. So the idea here is every week we're going to hit you up with some content, and what you can kind of expect out of the show is we are hardcore nerds about video games and comics and all kinds of nerdy shit. Um, that will be what we speak most authoritatively on. And like um, like all good nerds, we have uh, strong opinions about the things that we like. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as video games go, Sam is the Nintendo apologist, and I don't think he would ever refute that. I definitely wouldn't. I mean, in order to apologize for someone, that's implying that they're doing something wrong. So I'd say more I'm just a Nintendo fanboy. Yeah. And uh, I like all video games. I like all the systems. But these days I'm more of a PlayStation guy. So I'm going to play that kind of role in our relationship on the show. Um, But I also wanted to leave the show open to really anything topically. So what you'll hear most is nerd stuff. But I'm not shying away. And I don't think you would shy away from... Throwing in some, sprinkling in some politics here and there, if something interesting is happening, especially if it relates to the gaming industry. So, for like example, uh, Trump's um, to, uh, Donald Trump, just to be clear. Yeah, his his uh, his trade policies. Um, he had very protectionist policies, so this would kind of put higher taxes on imports from other countries. So the way that that would kind of factor in for the gaming industry is actual games and consoles that come from overseas would actually start being more expensive if this stuff kind of took hold. Um, so that that's highly relevant to the kind of stuff that we're into. Um, and then just like things that I've been looking up, I've been interested now that Donald Trump's president and I feel like I should pay attention more to these things now instead of just being under the sleepy influence of Obama. It's true. It's all true. But uh, I I hope that we can have some fun, and I hope people will enjoy the show. So, Sam. Yes, sir? Let's start it off real nerdy. Let's talk about that uh, Thor 2 trailer. Okay, so I watched it once. Um, Just, uh, you know, a little intro to me and the thing that I think is going to be difficult uh, for us in this show is that Mm -hmm. I'm, like, super spoiler-averse. Yeah. And it's evolved to the point where, like, I only like I'll, I'll watch like the first trailer for a movie I'm interested in because if I already know I'm going to see it, like why do I want to see bits of it ahead of time? Um, yeah, and so that's a mentality that I adopted with the first Guardians movie. Is you know I don't know what to expect from that. Guardians is a, a fucking C tier list Marvel character. I was interested that they were doing this as a film, especially when they're having such uh, success with the mainstay characters. Um, I wanted to see how it was going to come out, and I saw it, and I was like, I, don't, I am into it. I'm, I'm fucking in. I'm going to the movie. You have my money. I don't need to see anything else about this. And, that, you know, they're hitting you with the, the uh, commercials and more, tra- like, 15 fucking trailers they put out for these goddamn movies. Now. Yeah. Um, and so the more you go into it, the less you know going into anything, the more fun it is, especially when it's only, like, a two-hour product. Yeah, I I fully agree, and I you know I could talk about this for a very long time, and we don't necessarily have to do this right now, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm interested to see 
how this goes. So like I only watched the Thor trailer once and I only intend yeah. to watch, maybe I'll watch it another time, like show Tessa or something. But for the most that part, so good. uh, I, I even, even the things I do choose to watch, I only want to watch them once or twice. So I don't memorize them. Like yeah. younger me would, would pour over these trailers over and over and over again. And then by mm-hmm. the time I got to the movie, it was just like seeing how all the scenes connected, you know, and that's not yeah. as much fun. So yeah. I we can talk about the Thor trailer a little bit though. Um, I it's cool. the first time I've been excited for a Thor movie, easily. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, they definitely hit it with that uh, Guardians vibe a little bit. Yeah, I think I think a huge piece of uh, of of changing the vibe was the music they used for the trailer. Yeah, uh, it was like tongue in cheek. Honestly, you know, Viking music. Uh, mm-hmm. going into this like silly setup, kind of it was. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited. Uh, the guy who's directing it did. Uh, he did. He worked with Flight of the Concords a lot, but he directed that movie, What We Do in the Shadows. Did you see that? Yeah, that movie movie. was great. Yeah, he's a uh, talented director, and that movie is funny. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've watched like the first couple, probably twenty minutes of it, and then got distracted by something else uh but i like everything else he's involved in uh another movie he had just come out was apparently really good too um i forget what it's called it had sam neill in it and he trapes around the the jungle with some kid and they annoy each other um but he seems like a really good unique director and the setup for this movie as opposed to other thor movies looks really really fun i mean it starts with crushing Milnir and that's gone so yeah that's a huge source of uh thor's power source yeah um but yeah and then yeah like the music choice and then the scenes they chose to the they chose to put put forth uh and then they when they hit you with the hulk at the end man it's just i'm totally 100 percent in and i'm i'm excited in the way that i am for the other Marvel movies that I get excited for. Cause to me, Thor one and Thor two are, are bottom tier. They're down there with like Iron Man two and some of the other Marvel films. I don't really care for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I very much agree. The Thor movies have been easily my least favorite and Marvel. Marvel has me wrapped around their finger with their movies until infinity war is over. I'll go see ones even if I'm not excited for them because you know, I want, I want to see it through. I want to get to the end of, of this piece. And I, I think it would be amazing if they stopped, if they got to infinity war and they just stopped and I know they won't, they're going to beat it into the ground. There's no way. Um, but yeah, there's no way it'd be really much money. I know. And that's, it makes sense, but I just think artistically it'd be really cool if they built this huge thing, got to the, you know, end point that they've been heading towards since the first Avengers and then said, okay, we did it and be over. Yeah, um, I think it'll be. Do you think you'll stop after Infinity War though? Do I you think you'll stop. I don't think I'll stop, but I I will. I think I'll actually decide which movies I want to see versus mm-hmm. knowing for sure I'm going to see them all. Yeah, it's it's strange because it's like, what are they going to do when Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want to do this anymore? Chris Evans doesn't want to do this anymore. Are they going to recast those roles? Or are they going to actually just kill like Steve Rogers off and have Bucky be Captain America or assign that to another character? Um, 
or just like not have Captain America anymore and just start a new Avengers with like they're going to introduce Captain Marvel and then Black Panther uh, next year. Right. Um, I'm super interested to see how they handle this. Yeah, me it's, too. It's and unprecedented. You know, I'm I'm love who they have so much right now, but you know, I I didn't have any expectation or even want for Spider-Man to enter the universe, but Tom Holland does such a good job. He was so great in Civil War that now I'm excited that he's there. So if they keep introducing people I really like, I like uh, you know the little bit of Black Panther we got too. Um, mm. If they keep continuing to keep me interested in their new characters as they phase out their old ones, then they'll keep me going. But it's just getting yeah. it's getting harder and harder for them, I think, to make a good movie because the movie's already so good that it sets the bar keep, too high. Yeah, they keep they keep upping themselves. Um, I thought that uh, I ha- I don't think they've made like a weak movie in a while. It's probably since Thor two. Like I, I've enjoyed. I think people are iffy on Ant Man, but I I thought Ant Man was really good. Um, yeah, I I thought it was, and that's like I, I think I'm a little bit less uh, enthusiastic than you are about it, like and about their movies lately. Because honestly, I I thought Ant Man was good, but not great. I thought mm. uh, I thought Doctor Strange was good, but not great. Um, I honestly think the worst one they've made in a while was Age of Ultron, which even Age of Ultron was good, but not great. Like all those movies have some parts that I really, really love, but they don't. Yeah. They don't have that overall like, holy shit! I have to go see this again. Um, yeah, and that's it's so hard. Like with the internet and just it's it's hard not to sit in a movie theater. And I remember realizing this when I was getting older that well, like what's going through my head sometimes when I'm watching a new movie is uh, what am I going to say to somebody when they ask me how I thought about it? like what I thought. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm actively thinking of my review while I'm watching it, which is boring. I don't want to do that. I'd like to just sit and enjoy it. And so what I've tried to learn to do is like if I leave the theater and want to go watch it again, like that's a really good sign to me. And that's like it's a good sort of visceral way to, to analyze how I feel without having to break it down that specifically. Um, yeah. And that's I, – I didn't feel that way about – any of the movies I just mentioned, whereas like when I left Civil War, I was I would have watched it again right then, um, and that's you know that a good Marvel movie leaves me that way. I want everybody I know to see it. I want to watch it again. I'll happily go mm-hmm. watch it again with someone who hasn't seen it. Whereas the bad ones or the not good ones, I go oh, that was pretty cool, but you know maybe I'll watch it again on TV before yeah. the next big event. Yeah, yeah, I kind of felt that way. I guess I felt that way about Ant-Man. I wasn't clamoring to see it again, but I did have a lot of fun. And that's that's basically, like, what, what it's about for me is I always go to the theater, and I have fun. Like, I laugh. Um, I'm constantly laughing. Uh, even at the ones that are more serious, like, Civil War has dark shit happen in it. Like, the guy tries to kill himself towards the end. Yeah. And his his plan wasn't even, like, world domination. His plan was just to get these people to, like, break up, basically. Um, and that's like, that's some dark themes, dude. Like, and, uh, but it still remains like a light, fun, mostly family friendly affair just with these, you know, they make it serious enough for you to want to invest in it, but fun enough to where 
you kind of have like a half smirk on your face the whole time. You know what I mean? Right. And that's, that's where some of my problems come in with the movies is that mm. they're the Marvel formula is such that they end up sometimes forcing too much comedy. And I, yeah. you know, they, they treat things serious. They deal with serious enough things that I can convince myself to take it seriously, even though overall it's ridiculous. And when when they add too much comedy relief, it makes it harder to take it seriously. And, you know, in order to enjoy something silly but intense, you need to be able to, to talk yourself into taking it seriously. And so I understand, like, it's like they saw that Iron Man sold, you know, like this snarky sort of, like Iron Man had a good bit of comedy in it. And I feel like they yeah. they lean on it too much sometimes, like... Mm-hmm. sometimes I just want it to be a little bit more serious, but you know, they also know what sells. They know what's making them the billions of dollars. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you definitely do. There is a, a pattern forming. I think it's appropriate in some things like Spider-Man. I want it to, I want it to be funny. Cause it's, just, it's about a kid. It's about oh, high school. Yeah, and absolutely. And, uh, but even, even like Thor had a, Thor was the one thing where it had its very particular type of humor where it's fish out of water type stuff where, you know, Thor doesn't perceive things we do on its, on the same level. Um, and so that was kind of like m- my favorite part of this trailer was more of that type of stuff where he sees Hulk and he like, it's supposed to be this big, like, like you're going to fight the mountain from Game of Thrones, you know? Right. But he he saw him and, and immediately cheered and everyone got quiet. And he was like, I know him from work. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just like, it's such a good way of like phrasing that, like giving you that fish out of water feel again. Well, just um, referring to being a member of the Avengers as work, I thought was pretty, yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then like, if you, if you get real nerdy and pause it and look at some of the set design, um, they're throwing kind of homage or or taking cues from Jack Kirby. So all the like, if you particularly pause it when um, Jeff Goldblum's playing, uh, fuck, I forget what he's playing. Um, Jeff Goldblum and Loki are in that room together. If you pause that room, all the design in there is exact. Looks exactly like Jack Kirby type of stuff that he would have put in his cosmic stuff. That's cool. So th- that's a cool little set design thing that I noticed. Um, uh, and yeah, it just looks super fun. Like I'm, I'm just as excited to see that as I am, uh, you know, like Spider-Man homecoming or the new Avengers or even guardians. Like, and I consider those like guardians is top tier. Like, I think that if we're going to, mm-hmm. I, I estimate that one day we'll do a top 10 kind of Marvel movie thing and like guardians and captain America up there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I wasn't sure on Guardians 2. Like, I, I was excited for it, but I just didn't, you know, I wasn't, like, actively excited. And then yeah. I saw, I think, like, the second trailer uh, at a movie. I don't know. I think maybe I was seeing Rogue One. And mm-hmm. uh, they played the second trailer, which I had actively avoided. Um, mm-hmm. And I was laughing my ass off. And it, it got me very much. I was like, okay, I am I am now just straight up excited for this. Um Yeah. That that trailer sort of pushed me from like, oh, I'm sure it'll be good. To oh, cool. Now I've really like, I definitely have to go see it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only watched that one time, so I don't really even remember what was in it. But I remembered really just laughing a whole lot at it. Yeah, uh, sticking with that same kind of formula, laughing comic movies and 
staying in a safe space for us. Uh, with Deadpool 2 was always going to have Cable in it. And even at the end of Deadpool 1, their post-credit stinger, their very uh, Ferris Bueller <laughs> hilarious thing was like, he was like, we're going to have Cable. We're going to have do a sequel and Cable's <laughs> going to be in it. And they, they cast Cable and they got Josh Brolin, which is, to me, awesome. Uh, but weird because he's also playing Thanos in Avengers. Pardon me, I just burped. That's all right. Um, which I think is just fucking, it's awesome. It's like, Deadpool imagine, clearly, sorry, go ahead. Imagine the fourth wall. He, he's going to talk about the fact that he's Thanos in yeah. these other movies for sure. Come on now. Um, something that Deadpool has done that, you know, none of these other big franchises, I think, are capable of doing is they pay attention. Um, The fact that they were willing to make a new Deadpool movie featuring Ryan Reynolds, who has Mm. already played Deadpool and a horrible Green Lantern, like because they understood why he would be good at it was huge, Mm. you know, and they're clearly doing it again. They're not saying, Oh, we can't cast, uh, you know, Josh Brolin because he's already Thanos. They're saying, no, he's the right person for the role. So we're just going to do it. Like who gives a shit? And I, I'm so happy that they're willing to do that. Yeah. Um, in the same sense, I mean, I'm happy that Marvel cast Chris Evans as Captain America. Like I, I was not sold on that at all because of how horrible, yes. uh, fantastic four was. And but, he was on that track record too, of like in that era of just kind of that same kind of like Ryan Reynolds track record where it was like, this dude is like, he's just like handsome, funny and annoys me. And that's where, how he was in Fantastic Four. That's how he yeah. played Johnny Storm. Um, and I didn't think he could bring that kind of sincere, earnest, uh, wholesome, good person from like World War II era. Steve Rogers, that, like the way that I thought of him, because I'd never seen him play a role like that before. He's always like the handsome douche kind of. Yeah, but boy, um, did he bring it. Yeah, and I think for the most part, he's my favorite I've seen those characters come to life. Uh, other than Robert Downey Jr., who just like kills it as Tony Stark, um, he's my fa- like he he does Captain America so well, and he's probably my favorite of like the actor bringing that character to life. Yeah, he's he's absolutely my favorite. Captain America is my favorite character of the Marvel universe of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think it's completely because of how great Chris Evans is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this this uh, Deadpool Deadpool two stuff, um, it's exciting stuff. Especially being able to go R rated and keep it lower budget and do something that's more true to the material. You should. I think everyone should be. Everyone is excited for this. Obviously, the, the movie yeah. did like incredible numbers. Um, yeah, and that's like the one worry at this point is. You know, some things actually benefit from being lower budget, like having being forced to be creative within limits, I think, is where some of our best content comes from. And so I you might know this. I I don't. But like I'm assuming the Deadpool 2 has a way better budget than the first one did. Um, actually, no, they're they're keeping it low. Nice. That was why they ditched uh, they ditched the director who did the first one. And it was because he wanted to go bigger budget and he wanted to make it more stylish um, and he was like citing like making it like Dark Knight and stuff, and and Ryan Reynolds was the one who was like, that's not really where we want to go with it. Um, it's not the vision, you know, the original vision that we had. Yeah. Um, and so that's why they they parted ways, and they got the guy who did uh, John Wick, 
or like two guys did. Pardon me. <laughs> two guys did John Wick, and um, then one guy did the sequel, and then the other guy is working on Deadpool. Nice. Um, I still haven't seen either of those, but I've heard very good things. John Wick one or two? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a similar sort of thing where it's low budget too, but it's just incredible stunt work, and Keanu yeah. Reeves just like plays his character that's super fun but basic in in a way that. Like he just throws his physicality into it in such a good way. Nice. Um, yeah, they're they're keeping it low budget so that they can stay true to that vision. I think that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And honestly, at this point, like if anybody is talking about a superhero movie and they say anything about making it like the Nolan movies, that they should Mm -hmm. not get to make it because it just shows that they know that that was popular. Like. Yeah, it's the most boring statement you can make at this point about uh, making. I want to take a Superman, but or I want to take this superhero, and, but do more like a Batman Begins, like Dark Knight. Just like okay, yeah. like everybody says that it never turns out nearly as good as them. Like the yeah. key to those movies is that they were good. You know, that's really all that matters about them. Well, they um, were faithful. They were true to that character, right? You know? But we don't want you know most characters that aren't going to fit in that type of movie. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what that guy does next because uh, the direct the guy who directed um, Deadpool one oh my god I I can't conjure up his name right now but he uh, worked at Blur Studios who did all the trailers for all the Batman games like the CGI trailers that were incredible um, he's a he's a good storyteller talented dude and I want to see what he does next film wise because Deadpool was his first big budget film yeah and he he did some complicated timeline story. Uh, storytelling things that would fall apart under a lesser talent, but uh, he he held it together pretty well. Yeah. Um, so I want I do want to see like what he does next. He's he's definitely gonna get a job. Um. So yeah, Deadpool two should be super fun and really exciting. I'm definitely excited. Um, but there's also just so many good movies and stuff coming along that I don't need to worry about it until we're getting closer to it. Yeah, did you end up uh, getting to see Logan last week? We still haven't seen it. Yeah, that's another one, rated R, low budget, um, and like it's better than any of those X Men films, in my opinion. As yeah. not only as a, like a just a Logan film, but um, as an X Men film, it's so good. Yeah, well, uh, maybe actually this weekend. I'm not sure. Yeah, but possibly. As I told you before, go out of your way to see it because it is good. Yeah, I know. All right, let's get into the main gist of the, this episode. I want to talk about Nintendo and specifically the Switch. Okay. Um, As I think I'm willing to talk about that. Oh, Jesus. Um, so we both had the console, and we talked about it as it was... Uh, as we were going through, as it was being announced and they were doing presentations and stuff. And the first announcement trailer, which was just that commercial, basically. Right. Um, I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant way to announce this thing. And uh, it very plainly and concisely showed you what was cool about this uh, about this console. Or about this even, like, consumable piece of hardware that you should have. Uh and all of the the commercials they put out since then kind of accomplished a similar feat. Like they're they're all great. Like the way that they're structured, the way they lay out, like what's cool about it, 
Um, everything you could do with it is is super awesome. And, but they had that one Japanese conference that fucking sucked, in my opinion. Um, and and so that kind of shook me. I was like, I don't I don't know if this is gonna be good now because that was a poor showing. But I stuck with it because I love Nintendo, and you were gonna get it no matter what because you yeah you're the Nintendo you're the Nintendo guy like that is your that is the console you will go out of your way to buy and you will buy every iteration of it that it comes out yes um so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you actually start uh, talking about the console and how you feel about it what you like and don't like about it and then I'll piggyback off of you well so first I'll say that I like I agree I think that first trailer they put out was uh. It was good. It, it it branded the Switch in a way that they never successfully did with the Wii U. Um, it showed, you know, what it was about very well. And that was something they couldn't do with the Wii U. Uh, people still don't know that the Wii U exists. Um, but uh, I personally was kind of disappointed by that trailer because it was just a confirmation of the rumors I'd already heard. There was mm-hmm. nothing that surprised me in it. And so... I felt kind of underwhelmed. I was excited that it was, I was excited about what it was, but I, I wasn't excited. Like there were too many leaks that were all very accurate. Um, yeah. So this was probably because you followed that stuff a lot more closely than I did. I, like I, yeah, I just I, knew I that there was a thing called the NX and it might be a dual screen, like mixed match of, uh, handheld and console that was all i knew about it yeah no i uh i was you know we were trying to read up on nx rumors and stuff all the time which it's hard because like you know my spoiler sensitivity still exists there but i'm just too excited to not try to see if there's any news and it's more like i'm just eager for any news but in order to search for this news i have to be exposed to all of the leaks and rumors um, and yeah. you just hope that most of it's untrue so that you can still be surprised. So I I actually liked that conference they did in January because uh, there were some surprises. Uh, I was, you know, on a very basic level, I was really excited that they were releasing colored con- controllers. Like, I miss mm-hmm. colors in my games. Video games are toys, and they're fun. And I'm tired of them being black or white so that they can... <laughs> It's like, well, they, you know, I have a friend and I, I asked him, he's like, well, no, I, it needs to fit in on my entertainment stand. It's like, it's a fucking toy. You're using it to play games. It is a toy. Why can't it just look like a toy? No one's going to walk in your house and go, oh my God, is that a video game console? But then not feel that way if it's black, you know? Um, I'll, I'll fight you. I'll fight you on that one a little bit because video game consoles and the standard for them. Uh, especially nowadays, it's gone beyond being just a toy. And this is kind of how Nintendo markets itself. Um, but it has become, with the advent of like Netflix and having all these streaming services on it, 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 like what the Xbox tried to do was make it an all-in-one kind of entertainment machine, which they just kind of fumbled the ball on you know, the messaging on that one when they first uh, launched it. But I, I'm convinced if they were able to talk about it in a more direct way in a way that didn't seem kind of confusing or just like not exciting that that could have taken off xbox one's launch was a massive fucking failure um and that was just totally attributed to marketing just like the way they talked about it sucked um so i will kind of fight you on that one because i can understand how the the typical gamer these days they do want it to match your entertainment system and their their tvs they just bought they're super nice you know these things come in like sleek 
jet black and and I could understand that for sure. But I understand where you're coming from too, where games this is kind of the Nintendo motto is games are just supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be just fun. Like we do make Nintendo is a toy making company. That's how they started. Um, so, but the Wii, uh, there's a difference between the Wii U and the switch, a big significant difference. And I, I guess we'll get to that in a minute, but that was just my point on that one that I, I wanted to fight you on a little bit. Right. Um, and, and I don't disagree with it. I'm just personally tired of there being no color on them. I like, mm-hmm. I like color options. I like Dude, I like it too. I hope that they make like multi like rainbow colored Joy-Cons and you just buy whatever. And it seems like the fact that the, the console's been out for like 6 weeks and they've already announced a new color Joy-Con, I think is a good sign. Did they? What color? Uh neon yellow. Oh cool. Comes I out didn't see it that. comes out the day Arms comes out, June 16th. Oh, that's fun. Oh uh, yeah, I agree. Um Give me one quick I'm going to end up spending way too much, too much money on this. That's the thing. If they keep putting out different Joy-Cons, I will fall for it every time. Yeah. Um, one second here. Yeah, no problem. I can probably edit this out. Also, um, I can fill the time. Do, do, do. Nintendo. So good. Oh, okay. Do so it's, uh, it's okay. a really small thing, but I just remember. Th- I know there was a quote from uh, Satori Wada that you reminded me of, who is the late president of Nintendo, just in case any of our listener didn't know that. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's, you know, I, I don't even have the context for it here, but he basically just says, above all, video games are meant to be just one thing, fun for everyone. Um, and I, I agree. I think that's, you know, obviously been Nintendo's MO for a long time. Like, they are a company and they want to make money, but they they clearly, you know, they could churn out a bad Zelda game every year if they wanted to. Um, yeah, but they don't because they want Zelda's to be good and they want them to be fun. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, getting back to the Switch, so that that conference. Oh, sorry about that. That was my laundry. That's fine. Um, that uh, that conference in January was. Uh, it definitely like it had some things that excited me, like getting to see the new Mario was really exciting. Um, the HD Rumble, the colors of the Joy Cons. Uh, just the general, like, finding out all the things that Joy-Cons are capable of was really exciting. I did not expect Nintendo to go hard in on, like, motion control again. Honestly, I thought they were done with it. Um, and it doesn't yeah. seem like, so far at least, they're leaning on it that hard. It just seems like it's there so that you can use it. Um, even ARMS, it's- like, you can play it with a regular controller if you want to. Um, yeah. And I think that's a pretty significant sign that they're done forcing people to use motion control, but they know it can be fun in certain situations. Um, yeah. And so all that stuff excited me. Um, you know, I was looking for some more big game announcements and there were some neat looking games, but nothing that really got me too excited. And then they ended on the, that, that final breath of the wild trailer. Um, that was just the most outstanding trailer for a video game. I feel like I've ever watched. Um, it, it was pretty great. It was got me so so excited, and you know, and it came out less than two months after that. Like, so I got to just maintain that excitement. And mm-hmm. if we're being honest, the May or the March third Nintendo Switch is a Zelda machine. That's the only reason to own one right now. Is Absolutely. if you want to play Zelda. Um, and I've been very honest with people about that who've asked me about it. Like as much as I want everybody to buy one, the answer is you should only buy one if you want to play Zelda on it. Um, yeah. 
if you've got a Wii U and don't care that much about what's coming up on the Switch, then just get Zelda on the Wii U and be fine. Um, yeah, there's not a, there's not a, to me. I mean, we'll get into it later, but there's not a lot of compelling evidence to get a Switch, unless you're hardcore about it. Um, pretty much until July. Um, yeah, and that's I, I. If you don't own a Wii U, I think there's reason enough to get it right now because Zelda is one of the best games ever made. Um, and, but if you did own a Wii U, if you're one of the few of us that owned a Wii U, then I, mm-hmm. I would definitely, because then like the next big game coming up, you know, in a couple of weeks is Mario Kart, which I played this shit out of already on the Wii U. Like I agree. Yeah. There's, I, there's, it's going to be a bit, um, until I think there's a lot of justification of buying one unless you know, you just want it and you're going to get stuff for it. Um, the benefit is if you skip the Wii U, which I know a lot of people did because, I mean, like, a lot of people didn't even know it was a console. I mean, yeah. a lot of people thought it was just a peripheral for the Wii. Um, there's some stuff coming out that sounds awesome. Like, Mario Kart 8, with all of the DLC, which there was a fuck ton of, a, a, a venerable fuck ton of DLC for that game. It was definitely venerable. Um, I'm with you. Uh it's all packed in, plus new content, like new characters and new tracks. Well, and, and stuff. They, really... I th- I personally think Mario Kart 8 was the best Mario Kart they've ever made. Uh, oh, shut your fucking mouth right now, because if you put it over Double Dash, I'm going to fight you. I do, put it fight over, you. I do put it over Double Dash. Um, I think it's the best Mario Kart they've ever made, except the battle mode is terrible, and they've completely mm-hmm. revamped it for a deluxe. So like that's enough that I'm almost definitely going to pick it up. Plus, the fact that Tess and I can fly somewhere... I can throw my titch, my titch. I can throw my switch in my backpack, and just with the two Joy Cons, we can fucking play two-player Mario Kart on an airplane. is really cool. Um, yeah, the specifics about the switch I want to get to in a second. When you're done talking about like the conference leading up to yeah, it, we, I just want we keep tangenting a little bit. Um, yeah, but so like yeah. the specifics of the console itself. Let's just jump into it. Okay, yeah, that's good. Right. So that's, let me just end like. That that conference left me mostly excited. Um, I was excited about the announcement of ARMS. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people made fun of it, and maybe it'll end up being bad, but at the very least, uh, Nintendo may has made a new game with new characters that have names. They're not avatars. They're not Miis. Yeah. They're not villager from Animal Crossing. They're none of that. They are mm-hmm. named characters with style and personality, and uh, even Splatoon was like this new IP, but it's still, you know... Inkling boy and inkling girl are the mm-hmm. characters that you are. But this game has new characters. And Nintendo making new characters hasn't happened in a while. And that, at the very least, got me very excited. Um, That's true. They but, have put out they have put out like minor things, but nothing that resonates on a on a like console quality. Like here's a new IP level that I think Arms has the potential to. Um, so let me talk real quick about my thoughts coming out of that conference, the Japanese one that we're talking about. Wait, let me let and me would... end my thoughts real quick. Um, okay. I I left it feeling more excited than I was, be, mostly mm-hmm. because there were surprises, and I felt like I got no surprises uh, in October with that first announcement. So there were surprises, there were yeah. some things that excited me, and then they left, they ended on the money shot that was that final Breath of the Wild trailer. So I left yeah. that thing feeling pretty good. Yeah. Um, I left it feeling at first excited because it ended with that Breath of the Wild tra- trailer. And then as I got to like ponder and think about it some more, I was like, that that conference was 
that's such an old style of conference and an old like i guess it's because it was a very japanese kind of because it was we were just watching the japanese stream with american uh translation which was uh good to horrid (laughs) it's left a little uh, to be desired yeah and the conference itself just wasn't up to par with what what we expect out of a conference of this caliber especially from a high you know nintendo's not a fucking slouch when it comes to making video games so when you think of the e3 conferences you've seen from xbox microsoft and uh sony especially sony the past few years they've been killing it um it just wasn't up to stuff with it that type of thing um i think talking about well even nintendo hasn't done a live event in years like even e3 they yeah. do their directs which i personally the have the way to go. loved the directs i think they're so yeah. much better than the big awkward bloated conferences um and yeah, the directs I, are the way to go it's so obvious that their developers are just not ready to speak on a uh on that level of like public speaking i don't think that they they have a lot of that training um and it, it's obvious to me and it's just it, it it ranges from like awkward to silly it's yes. never like i don't come out of it being like mm, that was a really good presentation that i put together it's like i as you said when we were watching it i love that they're showcasing their new talent with the splatoon 2 guy and some of the new people that are working on these other games um but also like i don't think they're the people to to like talk about it and get people excited um i left that conference feeling kind of bewildered and feeling like the launch was only necessitated by uh zelda to be honest like i don't think they would have launched if zelda wasn't coming out and i think that the console wasn't really the console itself was done but not ready because there are still games coming out for it like i'll throw out an example like skyrim it's coming out in the summer sometime i think it's the fall like fall or winter okay so it was coming out some months after the console launched and they were very careful not to say which edition of skyrim it is which makes me think that it's not the special edition that just got released so it's the old 2011 edition of skyrim and it's not ready for launch like this game's been out for years and there's a lot of other games like this too like the sega 5 has been as a game that's been out for years um other ports that you know mario kart 8 is more than just a port but it still is like it's a wii u game you know right um these are the sort of things that i feel like should be out when that console launches um which makes me think that it really shouldn't have been launched until a, a typical kind of november date but that being said like so that was my feeling coming out of it is right. that this that that was kind of a botched opportunity um they're still talking about like hg rumble like it's a new thing like we don't have vr machines now that have that sort of haptic feedback already um yeah and it was it was a cool it was cool or whatever and one two switch looked like a fucking joke but i've played it a bunch um and think it's actually pretty cool um, it's a fun way to just like party with friends or yeah. even showcase what the, the joy cons are all about and, and all that type of stuff. Um, but I still maintain that unless you're getting Zelda, if you play games all the time, if you're a gamer, you know, uh, if you're, if you game outside of the, uh, Nintendo ecosystem, the only reason why you would buy this is for Zelda. And, you know, all the other games that I would say to buy for it are already available and have been available on other platforms but um yeah it's just uh 
that's kind of how I felt about it coming out of that conference. And then, uh, you know, as we were approaching launch, I was excited myself because of Zelda. But other than that, I was worried for Nintendo um, because it seemed like they kind of dropped the ball and they were making a wrong first impression, and which is important when you're launching a new piece of hardware, especially in this uh, completely and overly competitive field where PlayStation and even on Steam, like, you, you got 14... 15 to 20 games releasing every week you know what i mean it's, yeah it's it's crazy now the amount of games we get at one time um so i was worried and i th- I know you weren't so let's go into that launch and kind of the console itself i want you to talk about the console and the mechanics of it and what you love about it and what you think can be improved about it and if you would actually recommend that people kind of get this now okay um so, first of all, I, I like I said earlier, I I don't recommend any you buy it if you don't know you want it. Like that's the thing. I think if you're kind of on the fence about getting it, you probably shouldn't right now because yeah. the the only reason to get it, like we've both said already, is uh, to play Zelda. And that's thing. If you didn't have a Wii U, then uh, in uh, what? When does this Mario Kart comes out on the 28th? So in two yeah. weeks, um, Mario Kart's going to be out. And it's a phenomenal game. Mario Kart 8 is super great. And then that ups the value a lot, I think. Uh, you get, you buy the console, you can get, uh, you know, I haven't, I, I, there's still a lot I need to do in Zelda, so I can't say this definitively. But, you know, one of the best games I've ever played. I can definitely say one of the best games I've ever played. Um, I can't say exactly where it lands yet, but one of the best games I ever played, definitely one of the best Zelda games ever made, then you can get, in my opinion, the best Mario Kart ever made. So you get a really great multiplayer experience, a really deep, great single-player experience, both of which are playable, not just at home, but on the go. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I think the thing, one of the many things, or one of the big things about the Switch that makes it really unique is the fact that if you just throw that thing in a case, you have two-player multiplayer portably. Um, and yeah. that's nothing that and that there's ever been before. You've been able to link up with multiple systems, but the fact that yeah. you can take this thing, like I, with a week I, the last week at my last job was the week after the Switch came out, and I brought it to work, and me and a guy would like go into a conference room and play 1-2-Switch. We would prop the thing up on the table and just play and like he really liked the uh, shootout game and so we just played the exact same thing at my job yeah like and that's really cool that i can go oh cool i have this fun multiplayer game and i can bring it somewhere with me and not have to plug it in anything and just play it super quick and then put it away like that i think is extremely compelling um yeah i have it is like the snappiness of it you know it's like I I often say that this is the Vita killer, and I often say that this is actually not a console really that you pl- that you play on the go. I actually say it's a. I am a firm believer that it's actually a um, a handheld that you just you can play on your TV. Hang on, how often um, do you say this? I say it whenever I describe it to anybody. <laughs> you know, I, I say it at least three times a day. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, um, you wake up, <laughs> turn off your alarm clock, say I say, just it, say it out loud immediately. <laughs> I, well, I wake up, turn my alarm clock, alarm clock off, and then I walk into my bathroom, get ready to shave, and I look in the mirror, and I go, 
it's a uh, handheld. You just play on your TV. <laughs> I just I look at myself in the mirror every time I say it. And then I say it to two more people throughout the day to kind of reaffirm that. That's um, fair. But yeah, it's the portability of it, the snappiness of it. It's like it's like your phone. Like you push a button to put it in sleep, but it's not really off. And that's kind of the way the console operates. Um, there's a button to, to kind of turn it on and off, and it's it's so easy to get in and out. Yeah, holy crap! The Wii U being able. So this is my last week of work at that job. I rode the bus to work every day, and it was like an hour and a half on the bus. And you know, I would pull my switch out of my backpack, mm-hmm. push a button, and I was. I was where I left off in Zelda. You know, it was instant. Um, That was killer. Like, and that's one thing I wanted to say about the portability of it. Um, I do disagree. I, I, to me, it is a console that I can take, I can grab and take with me if I want to. Um, But I think that's going to boil down to the user. Like, because that's certainly how they market it. And I I think they're not wrong too, because they want to keep their 3ds alive, which I think is a mistake. Um, But, I have, I mean, it comes down to how we how how are we going to define what is a handheld and what is a console? I think that's an interesting question that the the switch kind of uh, that kind of poses to us because right. I I absolutely think it's a handheld, and that's the thing is ultimately I don't think it matters because uh, yeah. what I was going to say is when I rode the bus, like at first I had some hesitation because it's not quite as comfortable holding it versus playing. Well, I've been playing with the Pro Controller and I love the Pro Controller. Um, and yeah. holding the holding in handheld mode isn't as comfortable. And I was worried I wouldn't like that. I was worried playing on a smaller screen. Like Zelda's such a giant game. I was worried it was not going to feel very giant. Um, but what I found is that my two experiences blend together completely. I don't know what I did on the bus. I don't know what I've done on the sofa. Like <laughs> it's just Zelda. Um, yeah. I just am playing Zelda. And honestly, I, I actually can see better when I'm playing in handheld mode because I can put it up to my face and it's a beautiful mm-hmm. high fidelity screen and I can see it does run better in handheld mode too. It does. And that's like, I, we can get into this. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this a lot. I think people are too goddamn entitled at this point. Like uh, there's a, a, some occasional moments of slowdown. They're not often. Mm-hmm. And they're moments. They are moments at best. It's like, Oh, things lagged a little and now it's done. And it's like, and then people are like, oh, I heard that game sucks when you play it on a console. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It's- yeah. I mean, you're always going to have people that are hyperbolic about it. I, I will say for myself, when I put it on the screen, mostly played fine, uh, mostly played fine. Uh, but there were times sometimes where it was fucking egregious the way it would stop, like and not slow down, like just straight up stop. Um but it, they are few and far between, and it's not like something's going to break the experience for you. But it is noticeable, and it's something worth noting that it does just run smoother in handheld mode. Yeah, which kind of um, that's kind of the basis, one of the basis for my argument that it is just first and foremost a handheld machine that you just play on your TV because that latency, that lag, is part of kind of what made PS TV uh, their. PlayStation's kind of initiative to be able to play your Vita on your TV. That was kind of one of the things. It was like, nah, it's not really worth it. Just play it on your Vita. Right. Um, but that, I mean, my understanding of that was that you were actually streaming from your Vita to the TV, which, of course, yeah. is going to be some, like, significant lag. Whereas this is yeah. just outputting to the television. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, no, I mean, I really think I think it just comes down to how you use it. And I, as of right yeah. now, I use it as a console. And then I still, I still get 
tickles every time I'm playing Zelda and I go, oh, man, I really got to take a shit. And then I go, oh, yeah. I yeah. I don't have to stop. And I just get yeah. up, pick it up, and go to the bathroom. Like, that's so that cool. First, yeah, that first magical moment when you make that motion, you take those Joy-Cons, you slide it right in there, and you pop it out, and you just go, and shit, yeah. while you're playing Zelda. <laughs> yeah, and you don't miss a beat. Like, it's yep. – I really think that it's – amazing i think that the 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 fact that it, it and that's that's the thing is like i think you can claim it's a handheld that plays on the tv or you can claim it's a console that you can take with you but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a super game boy it doesn't feel like i'm when i'm playing on the tv i don't feel like i'm not supposed to be playing on the tv it doesn't feel like a hack yeah. or a cheat um it feels like a console uh and and then i can take it with me and that is just fantastic i think um, I, I've been playing it mostly handheld, so that's kind of like why I kind of feel that way. And I honestly do feel like it does just play better handheld. It f- pardon me. It feels more correct to play it that way. Um, when I put it on my TV, and I I just got a pro controller when I finished Zelda, so uh, that was unfortunate. Yeah. Pardon me. That was unfortunate timing. Um, but... Yeah, the Joy-Cons, they just don't feel... They feel wrong when you take them out of the console itself and put them in that thing. Wrong's not the right word. It just doesn't feel as good. It feels... When I have it in the console itself and I'm playing it handheld, it feels great. Like, yeah. This, it feels natural. I think the buttons could be bigger and stuff like that. And I'll, we'll get into that later. Um, but it, that just feels the way it was intended to be played, at least to me. And... Uh, the functionality has been built into it where you could just Wi-Fi with someone or not even Wi-Fi, but you, you just pick up someone else's signal as you're just standing next to them, you know, and, and you, could, you could all just plop around a table and set all your uh, switches up if you had friends that had the console as well. I just think it's more in tune and adept to that sort of thing. And then you, you could buy like you could buy separate docks, and just have them on multiple TVs and just like at any time pop it in there for a bigger kind of bombastic experience but right that's kind of like where i'm coming from and that's in like yeah like i said i I really do think that i don't think there's a right or wrong answer i think it just kind of boils down to how you prefer to experience it and that's i think cool i think it's cool that they've given us something that we can sort of decide our favorite way to play and they're they're both very valid like just playing it as a handheld mostly is a completely acceptable way to use it but playing Mm -hmm. it as a console is also a perfectly great way to play it and that's thing i haven't gotten heavy into a console in a while and so i i want to play it as a console because i want to i want to sit on my sofa and play a video game i haven't done much of that since i've been a pc gamer and you know there hasn't been anything great on the wii u in a long time yeah um so i'm i'm excited that i'm playing it that way Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how do you how do you feel about the Joy Cons themselves? Um, I at first I didn't love them, um, and I, they've they've grown on me. Like I've played in handheld mode enough that I don't mind mm-hmm. playing with them detached or whatever. Um, I'm excited they just announced like the battery pack for them, uh, yeah. which I think is a weird announcement because like they have like 20 hours of battery life. Uh, yeah, th- that is not the thing that needs a battery pack. The console itself. Yeah, it's pack. it's a weird thing to me. But I'm I'm excited about it not because of the battery but because it's going to make them bulkier like it's going to give them more grip 
Um, and I think it might yeah. make them more viable, like individual. That's what they need is like individual grips, not just that puppy dog thing that it comes with that you slide it into. Right. Um, but they do need like individual grips that you can, you know, you have it detached and you do that silly couch lean thing that they did at the conference and yeah, you feel but, fine with it. But that's fun. Like that's how I played Twilight Princess and it was a blast. And that's how I thought I might play breath of the wild but they're not as they're not nearly as comfortable as a Wii remote and nunchuck um, no they're too small yeah they're, they're i very did small the other night i actually played some zelda i laid down in bed i took the joy cons mm-hmm. off the screen and i propped the screen up on my chest and then i held the two joy cons down like on my thighs like just where my yeah. arms naturally laid mm-hmm. and i played like that and it was really fun um yeah it was it hurt my neck after a while but it was uh yeah it was a, a surprisingly pleasant way to play uh, i've had a few instances especially sleeping over at my girlfriend's house where what i really wanted to do was detach the joy cons and set up some sort of apparatus that just hanged from the ceiling and i could just like put my uh switch console the screen on it kind of like mission impossible and just have it like <laughs> like floating above me so that i could just like lay back and look up and it's just there floating above me and i could just have the joy cons and just do whatever yeah yeah um but that that would never work there would no way to be keep it to be stable instead of like twisting around and stuff but um yeah it's that kind of stuff that like the fact that it makes me want to like figure out different ways to kind of like incorporate it into certain things i think it's a good sign i so my uh, speaking of good signs, my fantasy for the Switch since I got it was mm-hmm. that Nintendo, like Nintendo, likes to iterate. They like to release yeah. custom versions of things, and if they leave the tablet alone and just keep releasing new Joy Cons, like I, I will spend an unreasonable amount of money on new Joy Cons if they release like the first one. I want them to come out with when they launch the Virtual Console. I want them to launch. Uh, you know, Super NES colored Joy-Cons that have two D-pads instead of analog sticks. Um, That'd be dope, yeah. I think that it, like, because then if I had that, if I had basically a portable, you know, Super Nintendo with two controllers with me, like, I would buy a lot more virtual console games than I've ever bought before because I want to be able to play those games. And, you know, you could have, like, a genuine round of Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo or Street Fighter. Like, obviously, you're not going to play competitive Street Fighter on a Joy-Con or anything, but, yeah, you know, if you've got the D-pad, you've got the buttons. Like, it's all there. And I think I I will not buy any pre-N64 virtual console games until I have a D-pad. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one on the Pro Controller, but I don't... I like playing, especially older games. I really like playing portably. Um I don't think there's any way that they're going to put a D-pad on a Joy-Con just because the idea is that they're actually just two controllers and you could take them at any point, take them off and have two player, two player gaming. And, um, you know, having one of them be that awkward button layout is just a way to kind of accommodate that, you know? Yeah. But that's all I'm saying is release a set of Joy-Cons where you replace analog stick with a D-pad. Um, Mm -hmm. and then it's, it's still like, it's a perfectly they're both perfectly viable controllers for two player games just yeah. not analog input two player games but if they're selling like if it's for virtual console that's why you're buying these two joy cons like 
and just do your Nintendo thing. Release way too few of them, piss everybody off, slowly release mm-hmm. a few more. Yeah. Like, and it's it's not going to take any more logic from them. They know how to make D pads. They just need to replace. Like, it's probably would be cheaper to make them with the D pads than without uh, than with analog sticks. What are the other kind of? Because uh, you're saying you're we're already talking about a second iteration of it. What are the other technical shortcomings of the Switch that uh, that bother you, kind of? Because I have one. I have a, a few big ones that I uh, specifically want to see changed. Um, well, so that, like, I don't I don't know if I would call that a shortcoming. Um, yeah. I, it's, a, it's an issue that I think needs to be addressed, but I think if they gave a – if they released alternate Joy-Cons, it would be – that would be a good enough solution to me. Um, or like, honestly, if they just kept the D pad on the left one and then had it, uh, just like, I think it would feel less weird to play a game where I'm using a D pad instead of buttons than buttons instead of a D pad. Um, but I don't know. Cause it, it, if you have, you need that two player. And I, that's, I think if they release a set with, with D pads, then two player virtual console out of the box is now a thing. And I think that'd be really cool. Um, but anyway, I think, I think just general comfort, like, I think that, like, I understand that they wanted to make it slick and everything, but like that thing's not going in a pocket. Um, I think they could have made the joy cons grippier. I think they need, they need to be rounded a bit on the back so that you have somewhere to actually wrap your hands. Um, and they could have done it really without expanding the thing much at all. It could still fit in the dock. Like the dock only goes to the edge of the tablet. Um, they can yeah. they and that's something I'm hoping they release is fatter Joy Cons, um, and that's these these charging grips, or the the battery pack grips, are going to do that, but they won't actually be able like the way it looks like they work is that the Joy Cons slide onto them, so you're not going to be able to hold the switch with them, and that's what I want. I want Joy Cons that are like I want pro Joy Cons where I get to wrap my, like have a more comfortable grip while I'm playing the handheld mode. Um, yeah. That I think is kind of a shortcoming. I think it could definitely be more comfortable without actually sacrificing anything. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously like I, battery life, I know people are unhappy about battery life. Uh, a longer battery would be better, but I'm not personally too upset. Like I think, you know, with three three hours on Zelda is pretty good, and you know you that, that's what I was gonna say. Charging. Like three hours, getting three hours out of Zelda handheld mode, I I thought that was pretty miraculous. That was you're kind of hitting Vita numbers when you're hitting out battery life on that, yeah, that sort of thing. So that's what I was hoping for because when de- when developers say there's a thing called developer math where when they throw out a number, it's usually smaller, and I forget the exact equation, like. If they say something's, you know, like a 12-hour game, it usually is an eight-hour game. So if they talk about battery life and they're like, oh, it's going to be like three to six hours, it's probably more like four to two hours. Um, and, and in this, they said like three hours battery life, and, and we got – I felt like I got three hours battery life, and they were very honest about it. Yeah, it's it's usually, you know, they do calculations in the most flattering manner. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, like I, I think – it will be. It'd be cool if it had a longer battery, but I I think that's totally acceptable um, mm-hmm. for what it's doing. You know, it's the size of an iPad Mini, and it's yeah. and it's stronger than anything Nintendo's ever made. Yeah, 
I agree. Um, one of the technical shortcomings that I that I have, and something that I'm uh, pretty ardent about, uh, is the headphone situation with the thing. Because when I'm playing in handheld ho- handheld mode, it's not a problem. But when I put it docked and I play it on my, I actually play it on my PC monitor, but I don't have speakers for it, so I need headphones at all times, pretty much. Um, and you have to have it hooked into the system itself, um, which kind of sucks because the way that every other console operates is it goes through the, the controller. The, the headphones go through the controller. So the fact that the Switch doesn't even have a Bluetooth option, so I could just have like Bluetooth headset hooked up to it without having to worry about wires, that, that really kind of is a, a big shortcoming for me and a, a reason why I can't really... Um, I can't recommend it to a lot of people because I know that that is a, it seems like a minor thing, but think about like a person wearing headphones is such a, it's such a common thing to see when you're, when you're trying to sell a product, especially a handheld product of any sort. Um, yeah, but like a, a person wearing headphones while they're watching TV is not a common thing to see. Um, yeah. A person wearing headphones while they're using something portable is, and you can use headphones while you use it portably. Like I, sure, I, yeah. I think your issue is a more uh, niche issue, like needing to wear headphones while you play it on a, on another display is not as common. I know there's plenty of people that like doing it and do do it, um, but I don't think that's as as common. Um, and I yeah. haven't, I haven't, you know, I think I definitely have some issues with. Uh, some choices they made regarding headsets, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but that particular one, I don't think is too big of a deal. I told you, I figured out my wireless PC headset, uh, that I can actually plug it into my TV and get mm-hmm. wireless through my TV. Yeah. That's pretty dope. Which is pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, but I do think that not having, not having a sport Bluetooth headsets at least is cause that's where kind of a lot of, a, a lot of people are going there just because of like the new iPhones. That's basically the only way you can use headphones with those is with Bluetooth now because yeah. they're wireless. Um, I, 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 that's one of the main things I would like to see iterated, see iterated on the, a switch 2.0, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, bigger buttons on those joy cons, working in a d-pad some way but i don't even you're optimistic about it and i think that is possible but to just patent something that is just for this one little thing that uh you know how many of those units are they going to sell of that i i don't know if that'll actually come to fruition to be honest i think you know getting a a pro controller is going to be your only route there i don't know one of nintendo's biggest selling points is nostalgia um, mm-hmm. and if they sell, you know, if they sell this set of joy cons for, you know, what, 80 bucks, they sell a normal one for, if they sell it for that, but then you get like a $20 voucher to the eShop with it or something like that. Like, I think, would you buy it? Would you buy a set of joy cons with D pads? I probably wouldn't. Cause it doesn't bother me at the moment. Like, so you, did you get shovel Knight again on it? Not yet. I probably will at some point. That's like, I don't want to play Shovel Knight on an analog stick or on buttons. I want to play it on a D-pad. I want to yeah. play Super NES. I want to play old games with a D-pad. It makes a huge difference to me. Uh, yeah. And 
most people I know that are interested in virtual console stuff feel the same way. Um, mm. And, you know, like I said, they don't have to produce them as much as they produce their other ones, but I think, I think they would sell very well. Um, I, because, you know, a lot of the games like arms and stuff like that doesn't look like it uses that many buttons. Like you could still play plenty of games with it that didn't really need this stick. Um, yeah. Or you could probably play them with it. Like, you know, if it is a game with an analog stick, you just have uh, the the buttons are just the extremes of the analog stick. Like, mm-hmm. it it could still be fully functional with those other games, but maybe not the ideal way to play. So I think they would sell a lot. Um, and Nintendo does weird stuff. Like, and I think that this is up their alley. They like making accessories. They like making weird versions of things. Um, and the fact that, like, like I said, the fact that console's been out for six weeks. And they've already announced new accessories for the Joy-Cons and a new color of Joy-Con makes me believe that they're, they are focusing on switching things up with the Joy-Con. They're not, they didn't just do their, like they're not waiting a year or two to start making things interesting. Like I think we're going to see more and more of that out of them. I think we're going to see a lot of limited colors of the Joy-Cons, which is going to be annoying as shit um, because I'm probably going to want to buy half of them. Yeah. And then I hope we actually see some new functionality. Like they said, basically, like they said, if we were going to do GameCube Virtual Console, we'd have to look into making special Joy Cons for it because of like the analog thumb, like triggers and stuff on the GameCube. Um, and that'd be, I would absolutely buy a set of GameCube uh, Joy Cons. Um, or even if it was just one, you only really need the right one to be, or no, because you'd need the triggers. Yeah. I would buy GameCube Joy Cons that had the buttons in the right layout. Like, those things I think are cool and I, I do hope they pursue it to some degree because really they're just talking about, you know, a different plastic mold and a different button layout. Like they're, they don't need to put a horrible amount of effort and research into it. they just need to do a Nintendo quality and rearrange things a little bit. Yeah. Um, Zelda's incredible, but you haven't beat it. Correct. I've beat it. I imagine that once you beat it, we'll have a super in-depth talk about it. Yes. I'm playing through Horizon Zero Dawn on PS4 right now, which came out around the same time. I feel like a lot of people are making comparisons between the two, and I think it'd be fun to do that because I think by the time I beat Horizon, because I'm taking it real slow, uh, you'll probably beat that in the Zelda, and then I think it'd be fun to talk about those at that time. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of end this chat with uh, how successful you think the Switch is going to be because I don't think they're having a, a production issue right now where it's the same bullshit where people are having a hard time getting their hands on it. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people that still want this thing. Um, what do you think the success with this thing is going to be? Um, real quick, I do. Uh, I want to say I read a number earlier that I thought was really interesting that mm. uh, Zelda for the Switch has sold more than the Switch itself, um, yes, it has. which is kind of amazing because it it not only means that a lot of people are buying Zelda in anticipation of their Switch, but it means everybody that owns a Switch has Zelda. Like it's yeah, you know, it's a Zelda machine right now. There, there are I can't imagine there's a you know. There's got to be at least a couple switches out there without Zelda, right? Like, just statistically. Yeah. But it seems like by the numbers, there truly aren't. And then there's a bunch of people that just have Zelda waiting. 
Um, our friend Jack yeah. bought Jack bought Zelda before he got his Switch. Because um, mm-hmm. he knew he was going to play it. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think people see the shortage of the console, and they're like, well, shit, what if Zelda gets hard to find, and then they pick it up? Um, yeah. But um, anyway, I just thought that was a kind of an interesting statistic. It is It is super interesting. I have the specific numbers written down. I'll get to those in a minute. Okay, but, cool. Uh, uh, what do you think their success is going to be with this console? Um, I think it's going to do pretty well for them. Um, yeah. I think this initial hype is pretty great considering there's only a single game out for it. Um, yep. It is, to be fair, a pretty fucking killer game to be your only game. Um, but it's still only one game, and it's hard to convince people to pay $300 for the privilege of paying $60 for one game. Um, yeah, all... All said and done, you're gonna be paying if you want to play this new Zelda on the, on the Switch. It's close to four hundred bucks to be able to play it. Yeah, and then if you want to play it with what I consider like the real controller for the Switch, you're paying another seventy. Like that's your four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Like it's a lot of money, um, mm. but I think that's that's a good sign. The fact that at at this beginning date, uh, it's selling as well as it is for only one game is pretty cool, and I think that. You know, Nintendo has been very vocal with what they think the shortcomings of the Wii U were, and they're right about them. They're not necessarily addressing all of them, but they're right about what they're talking about. And one of the big things is they said they did not have a remotely consistent release cycle for their big budget games, for the Nintendo games. The reason people buy Nintendo hardware is to play Nintendo software. And so yeah. if Nintendo's not putting out valuable content at a steady pace, people don't like, they lose interest. Um, and that I think was a problem with the Wii U. I think marketing and branding was potentially even a bigger problem. Um, yeah, but, uh, they had a problem. They weren't, they weren't putting out first party content, uh, at a nearly sustainable rate and they had piss poor third party support, which uh, I'm glad to see that they have a lot of indie support on this one and some third party support. And that they're also, uh, with the latest direct, they announced a shit ton of games and they, spent more time talking about the specific like arms and splatoon right. 2 that were that were really like mainstays with this console but then also like gave a little time to to talk about things like the sega or even the new fire emblem coming out for 3ds or right you know the various things coming out for the switch they have a lot of a lot of cool games so they can keep putting them out at a steady rate um i think they should have some success there and, and so that's the thing like nintendo has said very clearly like that they don't plan to do that again. Um, and so they launch with Zelda, you know, one of the best games they've ever produced. And then mm-hmm. in my opinion, the, the best Mario Kart they've ever made comes out at the end of this month. And then yeah. uh, arms comes out in June. And I think arms is a compelling title and it's not arms is not a system seller yet. Uh, it's something that people with the console are going to have. And some people without probably think looks cool, but it's, it's, a, it's a new thing and people don't buy Nintendo consoles the the general public does not buy Nintendo consoles to play new IPs, um, yeah. which is frustrating because everybody just complains that Nintendo uh, only makes their old shit and then people only want the old shit. Um, but then in July, the next month, you get Splatoon 2, which Splatoon did great on the Wii U, and now hopefully way more people are going to get to play it. Um, Lots of DLC support, free DLC support. Dude, they they put stuff out for that game every few weeks for like six yeah. months. It was really cool. And I didn't even play it's it. Am- like I played it a good bit, and then Tessa got really into it. And she loved all the new modes like as they kept churning them out. Yeah. And she loved all the new stuff. And that was, you know, it, it's impressive from Nintendo and from any gaming company to see such 
free support like that. Yeah, it's super impressive the way they backed the hell out of that game, supported it, and kept it alive for as long as they did, especially amidst, uh, like, you know, you got your yearly Call of Duties, and I never played it because I was in Destiny full swing at that point, so there was no way in hell I was going to play another multiplayer shooter. Right. You know, even though I played Splatoon on those test fires and had a lot of fun with it, and, I, and I, when I visited you guys in Colorado, um, we played it, and I had a lot of fun playing it, but I feel like there's a higher chance of me experimenting with Splatoon 2, which, which comes out in July, because I'm, I've am i just put Destiny down for good until Destiny 2 comes out, because I don't want to burn out on it, um, which comes out in September, but I feel like July to September is such a good time frame. Yeah. I'm not playing any shooters except for we play Overwatch like almost nightly. Um, but I think Splatoon 2 could be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'd be I'd be excited to try it out knowing how well Nintendo supported it the first time around and how well it was received. Yeah, it, it was great. And honestly, like, I think it's this, I sort of thought of this while we were talking, but I think that the switch launch is almost like the Splatoon launch because Splatoon basically launched as an incomplete game. Um, it launched with some of its features and then they said, we're going to keep adding stuff. And they did. And they got better and better and better as they added. And that's that's mm-hmm. my overall thought on the Switch. And we've talked about this, uh, obviously, just personally. But um, I think that basically this is, a, this is a soft launch. This is Nintendo putting the Switch out, getting working out these kinks, you know, figuring out these Joy-Con connectivity issues. And, like, I, I supposedly there's some, like, warping issues, but I don't know... I've only seen one person. Actually, I don't know. It's just, it's so hard to tell if any of these things are actually severe or if there's just five people. Yeah. Um, and I know the Joy-Con, the Joy-Con issue seems like it was pretty widespread. Um, mm. But Nintendo also has figured out what's wrong. And if you have a problem, you mail it to them and you get it back within a week. Like, and as people have been getting like little goodies from Nintendo for like, that's the thing. Everybody, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, well, I'm going to wait because I'm going to wait till they figure out these issues. And it's like I've been on the I've been on the other side of Nintendo issues. They usually make it worth your while. Like, yeah. I got a launch 3ds, and then they dropped the price, and I got 20 fucking virtual console games that are still to this day all the GBA games are exclusive. I'm the only way you can have those 10 GBA games on the 3ds is if you bought a 3ds in the first few months it came out. Like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's neat. I have on my 3ds. I can play Metroid One, Two. Uh, Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion. Like, that's yeah. amazing to me. Um, yeah. And, like, if there really is any issues, I know Nintendo's going to make it right. I was at GameStop today, and I heard some girls like, yeah, I want to switch, but, like, they're having all these issues. What if they recall them? It's like, then you'll send it back to them, and they'll give you something. Like, they'll, they'll you'll at the very least get your money back. You might get a better Switch. And the like, issues aren't even that widespread to where they would recall. No, yeah, and if they consoles. were, like, that's the thing. I, I don't understand what people think the actual risk is. Like, unless mm-hmm. they think having a faulty console is going to be so frustrating, it's not worth it. But it's like, you either wait till they fix everything, or you're along for the ride, and then yep. when they fix everything, yours is fixed. Like all the only difference is you get to play the switch until then. Like I, it's a weird reason to me to hold off. I think there are many valid reasons to hold off, but that one to me, I don't quite understand because I don't see the negative of being a part of this piece of it. Um, you know, if you're not sure if it's worth it until Nintendo gets their online up and running and stuff like that, then by all means you should wait because 
that is a huge question mark, like what it's going to be like. And if that's a selling point to you, then you should wait. But if you know you want one and it's just that you're worried about these hardware issues, then just get one. Like that's my thought. Um, but anyway, I, I yeah. think I think we're, we're looking at a soft launch where most consoles launch in the holiday. They launch before Christmas. And mm-hmm. instead of doing that, Nintendo's putting it out now where all the diehards can get it. They can figure out their supply issues. They can basically sell it to everyone that wants one now within the next few months. Like everybody that wants a Switch is going to have one. And then they get to just build value and value and people get to have them. And f- kids get to go to their friend's house that have one and see it and want it. And then by the time Christmas comes around, Nintendo is going to say, here's a Nintendo Switch. It has the best Zelda we've ever made. It has the best Mario Kart we've ever made. It has Splatoon 2. It has ARMS. It has Skyrim. It has a brand new Mario launching. Like It's going to be a very desirable device, I think, come Christmas. Um the big question is if Nintendo can maintain past that. Like they're blowing their Zelda and Mario load in the same year. And yeah. those are some big loads to blow. Like that is those are the two the two biggest games. Um Mario Kart's another huge one. I'm hoping the fact that we're getting Mario Kart 8 Deluxe here means that, that Mario Kart nine or whatever they end up calling it is deep in development. I hope that we don't have to wait, yeah. you know, four more years for a new Mario Kart. Um but the fact that, you know, they've talked about trying to maintain this release cycle, I assume they've at least got 2018 somewhat figured out. Um, I think... I guess we'll see at E3. I wouldn't be... I would be shocked if they went light with E3. They should go heavy, full steam ahead. Into I, I think Nintendo's going to have a really big E3, and I, there's been little comments from, like, Reggie fils and stuff, of, you know, that support that. Um, yeah. But I, Nintendo likes to only sort of, like, point to the immediate, like, in the next few months, this is what we're doing. Um, unless it's like Zelda or something and they, you know, tease it for four years. But I think, I think we're going to get some flavor of a new Metroid announced at E3. Um, Mm -hmm. there was a comment from Reggie where someone asked him about, uh, Metroid and he was like, okay. He's like, are they like, okay. So we want to ask you a question about like games that, you know, people have been wanting for a long time. He was like, are you going to ask me about Metroid or earthbound? Cause we always get asked about one of them. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, then he basically, we're just like, we hear you guys. Like, I want you to know we hear you and talk to me in a year. Like, and we'll see where we're at. And that so was a very direct to me, like, you're going to hear some shit soon. Like, and maybe that means we're not yeah. going to hear about it for a year. But I think, I think that we're going to hear about a true new Metroid game at E3. And it doesn't mean it's going to be good. Like, I thought Other M was shit. And I think that even if... Like the Prime series is pretty popular, and I'm worried that Nintendo is just going to fall back on that and make a new Prime game. And I could be excited about a new Prime game, but I want I want a new, uh, like full blown 2D Metroid. Um, and I know that a lot of people want that, but I also know that it's not sexy, and so I'm not necessarily expecting that. But I think that we're going to get a Metroid announcement. I think you could get that, but I think it would be foolish not to do like a uh, a high budget kind of Halo style. Not like the gameplay, but like the visuals. Like you need to, you really need to like. Metroid is their only like realistic looking property, and like to do a big sci fi thing with a high budget and and HD graphics and and utilizing everything the switch is capable of um they really need to go all out with that and so i think they would be foolish to do a 2d metroid even though i connect with that 
gameplay but i thought that metroid prime at least the first one was a good extension of like here's the 2d metroid gameplay in a first person 3d kind of style yeah um, i they capitalize on that i definitely did thing. like metroid prime uh, the first one i never i couldn't get in the second one and i never played the third one um but i i really oh, the third one was good yeah that's what i've heard um but anyway, I, I think that at least through through this next holiday, I think the Switch is going to sell very well. Um, I, I see it sort of hitting 3DS numbers for them. I think if they can keep a library up and if they stop making games for the 3DS and start just making games for the Switch, then I think they can they can keep their content pretty great. Like Roger, uh, our friend, asked me today advice on a couple of 3ds games to get and it, like i couldn't yeah. even think of where to start because there's so many great games for the 3ds mm-hmm. and i think that the switch could be that um if if it gets the development it needs another thing i think you already touched on this earlier that's going to really help the switch is that it's already looking like it's going to be a real indie powerhouse and i think it has all the right ingredients to do that like it's supposed to be incredibly easy to develop for and it's yeah. uh it's also really cheap to develop for. Like the dev kit is like a tenth of what a normal developer kit costs for normal consoles. Um, yeah, and that's huge. Like they, a little company trying to make something, are they going to spend five hundred bucks or five thousand? Like it's way yeah. a way easier pill to swallow. Nintendo would be foolish not to build bridges with these indie developers um, because I think this is where they could stand out the most. Because on um, I've expressed this before on Steam and on it's spilling over into uh, PSN and Xbox Live. There's such an overabundance of just these little games that come out that are meaningless. Like, they just come out, and it's like you don't even... There's, like, fucking 20 games that come out, and it just becomes white noise at some point. I feel like there's great games that get lost in the mix there because there's just too much content out. Um, And so I think if Nintendo can build bridges with these indie companies instead of adhering to like you, you know you're not going to come to the switch and play call of duty you're not going to come to the switch and play assassin's creed you're not going to come to the switch and play titanfall um but you could come to the switch and play something like overcooked which is a, a one is in my opinion the best co-op game that has been made couch co-op game that's been made in a very long time i can't remember having as much fun as i've had playing this game with uh my girlfriend, number one, who doesn't really play games at all, she loves it. She, like, asked me to play it, which is uh, miraculous at all. Uh, and I've played it with some other friends, too, and we've had, like, a great time playing it. Uh, I think they were brilliant to get that. Um, and some other games that looked just, like, super neat. Like, um, I saw a video for a couple games, a pair of games. One was called Graceful... I think it was called Graceful Exploding Machine. It looks like... Yeah, uh, Geometry looks... Wars, almost. Yeah. Um, and another one was called Mr. Shifty, which is also coming out on PC, but it looks like Hotline Miami, but you have uh, teleport, kind of like Nightcrawler from X-Men. Nice. You could teleport through walls and stuff, and it looks exactly like Hotline Miami, except for you have that superpower available to you. So um, they have these unique, cool games. Um, the thing about Nintendo is that what they used to do with their original console, the Nintendo is they would limit the amount of games people could put on the console so there wasn't this uh, over-saturation that we have kind of now that we find ourselves in. Um, and I think they were... I think they pissed a lot of people off doing that back in the day, and, and they're paying for it right now. But 
if they can kind of be this kind of moderator that I've always called for in our private talks of like, I, I don't think, I don't think we don't have to get too deep into it right now. Cause I want to wrap this up yeah. in the next 10 minutes. Um, but I, I just don't think that everything should be released. I don't think everything that everyone makes should be released. And I think Nintendo could be a good moderator for like, look, here are the, here are these indie games that we can stand by for sure. And if we're putting them out on our console, you know that we've at least like looked at them, you know, at, at any rate. PS4 released a game not too long ago called Life of Black Tiger, which is like <laughs> I've seen pictures and they, of it. They made a fucking advertisement for it. Like they promoted it and it's like, did anyone look at this game at all and see if it was even worth releasing on your fucking console? Because it definitely is like a mobile game. It looks like a PS one game. It looks like complete shit. I don't even know who would buy this game other than to like laugh at it for two seconds and put it away forever. Right. Um, it, it's just it's shit like that that's slipping through. It's like why even waste the time, resources to put this out and much less make a commercial for it. Like there's a PS4 fucking commercial for this. It doesn't make sense. Um, so I think Nintendo could, if they are smart and build those relationships, they could be successful with that. Well, I just and wanna, that's, uh, uh, real quick, I, like you know, I I'm uh, 29. I'll be 30 soon. Uh, you're mm-hmm. in the same boat. Same. Like. I think we're about uh, we're a little bit too young to have been making a lot of decisions when the NES was out. Like we played it, but like for me at least, it was my brother's console, and I played the yeah. games he had. But talking to my older brother and talking to some of my older friends, like the Nintendo seal of quality was an important thing that you looked for. And like watching, yep. you know, I really enjoyed the YouTube series, like the Angry Video Game Nerd, and he talks about that, mm-hmm. like it meant something in those days. If you saw a game that didn't have it, you didn't buy it because it did not have Nintendo's seal of approval. And it doesn't mean mm-hmm. like there are plenty of games with the Nintendo seal that were shitty, but there was a process and you could tell like, okay, there's all this shovelware, but there is also these games have the official Nintendo seal. And it's still like, yeah. it's on the back of every Nintendo game. I'm pretty sure, but you don't no one pays attention. It doesn't really matter anymore. Cause we're so involved in the process with the internet that we know who's making what, um, you know, and who's promoting what, but yeah, I, I do like that idea. Like it would be cool if, if their, you know, eShop had a total like Nintendo, even if they let the junk on it, if, Oh, I got a cat. Um, mm-hmm. even if they left, you know, let anything go on it. If Nintendo had a curated section, that was like our recommendations. These are the games we're actively promoting. These are the games that get our seal. People can put games on there if they want, but these are the games that get our, you know, stamp. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I want to end this uh, this whole thing in the most exciting way possible I could think of, which is throwing out stats and figures. Um, the Switch sales, they released on March 3rd. The first three days in Japan, it sold 330, a little over 330,000 uh, units. Uh, for comparison, when the Wii released, it was 371,000 units. Where the Wii U released... Uh, 308,000. So it's between those two in their yeah. first three days. Um, first week worldwide, it sold 1.5 million units. Uh, 500,000 of those were in the U.S. Uh, for comparison, the Wii sold 600,000 in the U.S. this first week. Um, I have to imagine that these numbers are a little... They would be greater if Nintendo was better about having a higher product. 
a higher number of this product available because i remember when, when we got our wii's we camped out for that shit you yeah know? like it was impossible to find it's kind of the same situation we camped out to pre-order them like yeah yeah like it was no joke like um people are finding themselves in a similar situation trying to get a switch or a nintendo classic which they apparently have discontinued which is fucking bullshit yeah um so those are the first three days kind of numbers for comparison the first week or i gave you the first week is what we're at now um so the numbers just came out today and i've gotten all these stats by the way by way of kotaku polygon and uh game industry.biz uh the first month figures for the Switch are nearly a billion in the U.S. and a half a million in Japan. Uh, for the first four weeks, for comparison, for the first six weeks, the Wii U sold 890,000 uh, units. And this was during the holiday season. So they launched during a hot time of the year. And Wait, in the first six weeks... I'm sorry. Can you back up? So the you said the Switch is... What was nearly a billion? Their first month sales in the U.S. alone, in just no, in money. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Nearly a million. I'm okay. Sorry. I misspoke. I was like, wait a minute. I think I would have read about this if somehow. Yeah, no. <laughs> Nearly a million units in the first month, um, and so half a million in Japan. Nice. Uh, Eight hundred ninety thousand in six weeks for the Wii U when it released in the in the states and this was during holiday season um i'm so sorry i misspoke that fucked up the whole thing no no you're good uh, i just it threw me off i wasn't sure yeah uh so these are pretty good numbers i mean it released in march it's not a hot time of the year to launch a console not a very specific time and they're selling really well and, and i personally know people that are trying to like actively trying to get this thing um which i think speaks to its marketing as far as these commercials go i think these commercials are really hitting it out of the park as far as like this thing is cool and here's why and it's they break it down to the simplest version of it of like it's a thing you play on your tv you can pop it out and be on the go and play it while you're like cooking food or whatever which i've done uh just take it with you for traveling i played it in the car i played it all over the fucking place i played it all over america man i've been everywhere um i'm going i've got a flight in may and i plan on playing it then oh hell yeah uh so i think these numbers are pretty strong you you talked about the zelda numbers earlier the zelda sales for this newest uh breath of the wild is uh 1.3 million and 925 um yeah 925,000 of those are on the switch and 460,000 are on the wii u so if there's only been nine and this is uh north american figures right um so if only 906,000 units are sold and there's 925,000 copies of Zelda sold. It's a lot of people that want to switch still, you know? Yeah. Uh, those are people that are hungry for it. I I think I think this is going to be a successful console. So for the Wii, the worldwide uh numbers they've sold over the lifetime was 100 101 million, a little over 101 million. That's the the best-selling console of all time, and that's a huge fucking anomaly. Yeah. Um, considering the amount of, like, elderly, just the amount of people, the demographic of people that bought this thing was so crazy. Yeah. Um, and the Wii U only sold for, <laughs> uh, 
hilarious contrast. Only 13.5 million right. worldwide over its lifetime. And, and the Wii U is dead. No one's buying a Wii U. I'd be shocked if anyone bought a fucking Wii U after Zelda came out. Yeah, they might sell um, like a thousand more. Yeah. Uh, so that's a huge disparity. If the Switch can land anywhere in between those two numbers, I think it's a success. If it does any, if it even does any more than the Wii U, I think it's a success, and I think it's on track to at least do more than the Wii U. Um, I have I have figures for the PS4, but I think they're kind of irrelevant at this point. They the PS4 sold incredibly well, but it's it's on another, it's on a different level than I think the Nintendo is trying to be. I think Nintendo is trying to be more modest, but uh, if you look at Zelda, to kind of look at this. I mean, they're doing they're doing more with less, and I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. We talked earlier about Deadpool, about how you have a, a limited budget and you you have to be more creative with that limit. When you have those limiters, you have to be have to find more creative solutions for things. And I think the newest Zelda and the Switch itself is kind of a testament to that. So yes, I, I think they're gonna have some big success. I I think so too. I think. Nintendo, they're showing finally that they're listening to what their fans want, but they still are being Nintendo. Because that's the thing. If Nintendo did what everyone said they should do, they would just be Microsoft and Sony, and they would be boring. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want Nintendo to make an Xbox or a PS4. I want them to make their weird shit. Um, But there's some quality of life things that I wish they would do. Um, And the fact that, like, this most recent thing, like, Direct they did, talking about ARMS, you know, they kept iterating they kept saying like or reiterating that like this game has depth that gets deeper and deeper because they know people want games with depth for them they don't want these mini mm-hmm. game compilations and like yeah. when they announced one two switch and projects arms they said like we're gonna announce a light easy you know intro game and a one that actually has a lot of depth when you get into it and no one got that out of arms everyone thought it looked like a dumb you know waggle fest um and I'm very convinced it's not going to be. I think that game's going to be really fun. Um, and I do think it's going to have some serious depth if you want to. Like, the combat looks pretty involved for what it is. It seems like it, yeah. Um, all the different combos and stuff. Like, I am I really like the new character they announced. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for ARMS. And But just the fact that Nintendo kept saying in the direct, like, that announcer guy was like, and here's a way that there's even more depth in this game. Like, it shows that mm-hmm. they're listening and that they know people's complaints are that they they a lot of these games they make are too light, um, and that's yeah. cool. Yeah, um, I do have one more negative on the Switch though that I forgot to touch on, and I feel like this is it. it's an appropriate episode to talk about it. And um, mm-hmm. I do think that uh, their approach to we don't know exactly how their whole uh, online infrastructure is going to work. But what we yeah. do know is that their approach to voice chat is that you have to use an app on your phone, and I think that is a hundred percent horseshit. Um, yeah, Reggie's <laughs> direct quote about it, or not direct because I don't have it in front of me, but his quote is basically, uh, "Why would you want to put on a bulky gamer headset when you could use, you know, the nice Bluetooth headset that you already have for your phone?" And the answer is. I have a nice bulky gamer headset that I bought to play fucking video games with. That's the whole reason I bought it. And I'd like yeah. to use it to play video games. Uh, and why don't you just cut the middleman by making the switch support Bluetooth head headphones? What the fuck? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it takes Bluetooth's a pretty significant battery drain. Like I think that's probably why they didn't. It takes power. It takes energy. Yeah. Um, and Bluetooth as a technology is kind of shitty. Um, but that's a that's a different conversation um yep but uh but yeah i that i just wanted to make sure i touched on that i don't want to like it's i think it's a glaring 
potential issue with the Switch um, that hopefully it won't be that bad and realistically we'll probably just all end up using Discord or something. Yeah. But be, we'll see. Because yeah, be that's fair. the thing. I don't... I want to be able to have my game sound and my chat both come through my headsets, but I, I don't understand how that's going to work with Nintendo's structure. Like, I think I'm going to be expected to have a, like, traditional Bluetooth earpiece that's in my ear with a mic, like, with a boom so that I can hear my game on the TV and then talk through my Bluetooth earpiece. And that sounds shitty to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there's no way that they're going to be streaming the game audio through Wi-Fi to my phone to all come through my headset. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but maybe we'll see. Like, that's... It remains to be seen what it is, but I know what it isn't, and I'm disappointed in that. Yeah, I feel you. Um, well, how do you feel, Keith? You know, I'm feeling pretty satisfied. I feel satisfied too. Cool. Uh, I am happy if you're listening to this. I'm happy that you joined us for this. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing this type of stuff. Sam, I hope you have fun doing it. Um, I think this first episode is pretty indicative of where we feel the most comfortable. I feel like this is a safe kind of first episode to go with. Um, I feel like I want to push into different territory with the next, with, with, uh, iterative, iterative episodes and also probably make it a little more entertaining. I feel like this is very like paint by numbers. Yeah. Um, but I, hope I think you got something out of this. I, I uh, think that I'd like to say that I think we have, uh, we have a much we have a better capacity for being funny than we exposed here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spe- specifically you, because I'm I'm leaning on you for this because you're <laughs> uh, like you are the jester in our group or in our friend group, and I was uh, I'm leaning on you for that because I'm I'm sometimes funny, but most of the times try to be funny and miss the mark. All right. Um, I promise next episode to interrupt more uh, to d- please for do. the sake of jokes. If you have jokes for the sake of the punchline, I'll let you know when it's getting annoying. But for the most part, I, I uh, when you interrupt me in real life, I typically laugh. <laughs> um, but this is I, this is gonna kind of be the weird kind of working out the kinks. Of this sort of thing. This is a new venture for us. I've done a podcast before, but um, there's a little bit of like comfort that we have to get into, a groove we have to follow into. But this is kind of a good indicator of like where we can speak the most authoritatively on. Um, I'll try to get into some other stuff some some other weeks, but I hope that you enjoy this episode. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Double Jump Chump. Do you have a Twitter, Sam? Uh, not really. We made one to take secret pictures of our friend, but uh, that that was it. Don't follow Sam on Twitter. <laughs> uh, ignore him. Um, I'm going to make a Facebook uh, page for this uh, for this podcast. Probably a Twitter page for it too. I'll share that in the future, and I uh, hope you can support us. Uh, it's my dream to get a Patreon going and hopefully generate some revenue off of this, just being transparent and honest with you, because uh, this is kind of what I like to do is uh, get all the nerdy shit, talk about it, and hopefully enrich some lives with some entertainment or at least some stats. Maybe you heard something here that you didn't hear before. Uh, so until next week, uh, I this is Sam and Keith signing off. Sam, do you want to say anything heading out? Uh, I love you all. Sam loves you all. I say keep moving and laugh at everything. All right. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. All right. So then you hit stop.